welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want interdependent study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Aaron is up this week. What have you brought to the table today? I have brought a documentary called All In, The Fight for Democracy. Uh, So it features Stacey Abrams and a lot of her story in running for governor of Georgia. Uh, But it also covers so much about the history of the franchise in this country. Um, And I found so much of it uh, enraging Mm -hmm. uh, and also fascinating and and enlightening in some ways. Um, and it, it was also super dense. It took me, I think, almost three hours to watch it, which is just under twice as long as it actually is because I kept pausing to to absorb something or, or look something up and, and, and different pieces. So there's a lot of history in it, uh, and they did a really great job of connecting it to the current day voter suppression efforts that are happening around the country that we'll continue to talk about throughout today's episode. Um, including making those connections to what happened in Stacey Abrams' gubernatorial campaign. Um, but there is just so much stuff and history that I learned here um, that I'm, I'm now kind of grateful to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah, there really is. I agree with you. This was really dense, and it also took me a very long time uh, to get through it. And, and you know, that was I'm I'm grateful for that, right? As yeah. you said, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Because there's so much great information here, and I'm really excited for us to to talk about this documentary today. Because, again, I I think it was really an incredible film, and in in my humble opinion, I think it truly warrants being a must watch documentary for for everyone. So if you're listening and you haven't checked it out yet, you know, please do. And and honestly, I think that's because it it does a great job in showing us how oppression and voter suppression tactics and and laws have been used throughout history uh, and in our present day to disenfranchise millions of Americans in this country of their voting rights. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that is just so appalling and and so frustrating uh, and and so fundamentally wrong uh, that it definitely hurts uh, and is infuriating to hear and 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 read about it and see happen. But it's also one of those things I think that we can't turn a blind eye to, right? And we we have to address and keep fighting uh, um, in terms of um, all of our our collective rights, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, as this film points out so beautifully, I think, you know, this country and we are democracy, right? And every person's voice and vote matters. And so that's why this is so important. Um, and as you mentioned, this documentary features Stacey Abrams, who I think is just a remarkable human being on top of being a great politician and, and a voting rights activist, you know, and she is out here truly fighting the good fight on behalf of all of us and, and our rights. So um, I think there's definitely lots to appreciate about this documentary, um, you know, and, and this is sort of hard to say because because I think all of it was fantastic. But I think there were two main things that I appreciated about this documentary and, and I think what make it a must watch for everyone. Um, the first is the fact that this documentary presents both the history of how the right to vote came to be in this country mm-hmm. and the history of voter suppression in this country. Yeah. 
And those are important histories to know and understand in the context of, of this conversation and, and the state of our, of our country. And the, the second is the education that this documentary does around the different types of voter suppression tactics and laws that exist mm-hmm. and, and how those are playing out in real time in our country. Um, and I know we're, we'll talk a little bit more about that, uh, I'm sure. But, you know, I think there was just so much to learn from this documentary. There's definitely a lot that I learned from watching it, mm-hmm. you know. And so, again, I, I highly recommend it to everyone listening. And I... And I truly believe that the lessons and in, in information presented in this documentary, especially as it relates to you know the history and, and present conditions of voter suppression in this country, are are important pieces of our continued conversations and and fight for justice and, and liberation. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to learn in this documentary. Um, so yeah, let's dive into some of this history. So all right. Um, when Carol Anderson, uh, who's a, a scholar who wrote a book called uh, White Rage, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so she started talking early-ish about Reconstruction uh, and how much actually changed pretty radically in that period of Reconstruction that was short-lived. Um, I, I wasn't I wasn't surprised about how she was talking about it, mm-hmm. um, but I guess I kind of was a little bit. I, I just don't think that we talk enough about that period of actual, like, growth of black citizenship yes uh in in reconstruction and the sort of progress that was made there um right like i know a lot more about the history of uh jim crow right and Mm -hmm. the violence and you know the clan and lynching and all like i'm much more aware of that um than i am of the the period of reconstruction where reconstruction was actually happening yeah um and um so that that piece of it stuck out to me um and you know another piece of that is is how it ended how reconstruction like basically how the rug was pulled out from underneath reconstruction right where there's a vote to withdraw northern troops from the south uh and that vote only passed by one vote yep. in Congress, mm. um, yeah, um, which was also kind of remarkable. Um, and that feels like something that I used to know and I've forgotten. Yeah. But, um, I think is, a, is another important piece of this. And it also makes the the history and the weight of the history of, you know, Jim Crow and segregation and the violence within that both sort of structurally and the the individual vigilante stuff and and all of that makes it so much more like jarring and tragic and awful because of that 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 period of growth right um, and that's actually one of the themes here I think was that the expansion of the vote um, is followed by periods of retraction of right. the vote and that shows up quite a few times throughout history and and in the documentary. Yeah, absolutely. Like the the history that's presented in this, uh, I think is truly one of the best features of this documentary. And, uh, you know, reconstruction is one of those things, right? And, and I appreciate what you said there about sort of we don't, I don't think we spend enough time and, and enough energy and enough thought around that period of our history. Yeah. Right. right. And, and, and what we learned about ourselves collectively um, and what was accomplished in that time. I mean, for, you know, for one, I think one of the most significant features and outcomes of Reconstruction is the fact that 
black folks were finally able to run for office, right? Yeah. And, and and this country actually had black elected officials for the first time ever, uh, which was it's just amazing sort of given the experience of black people in this country to that point. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I think maybe that's another, maybe that we keep that in the back of our mind as something to, to talk more about here. Reconstruction. um, Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. On on the podcast, you know, uh, another piece of history that's presented here in this documentary that they talk in depth about is the, the 13th, 14th, 15th and 19th amendments and how they were significant in terms of making the constitution a real vehicle through which people could claim greater equality in our country, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is, I think absolutely true, right? You know, all of these amendments clearly connect to the evolution of the right to vote um, and sort of greater equality for all. Um, And I know folks know this, but, you know, just to sort of say it, you know, the 13th Amendment abolished slavery and involuntary servitude. Uh, The 14th Amendment created a national definition of citizenship. The 15th Amendment prohibited the federal government from denying the right to vote to anyone based on race, color or or previous conditions of servitude. Right. So you think about sort of African-American men really being able to to vote. Mm -hmm. And then the 19th Amendment gave women the right to vote. And, you know, as an, uh, as an aside, I, I appreciate it how one of the historians, I'm sorry, I can't remember who, you know, in this documentary walked through the fight for the 19th amendment and, and the women's suffrage movement, because it reminded me of our conversation, uh, yeah. and our episode about the soul of America. Right. Same, and we yeah. learned so much about, you know, their different, ta- the various tactics that they used, um, and, and how that was sort of one of the most, one of the biggest protests in Washington, D.C. at at the time um, was for ever, ever uh, for the women's suffrage movement. And so um, I I appreciated uh, that for sure. But yeah, I I just appreciated all of the connections made here um, in this conversation about voter suppression and and voting rights to the passage of these amendments. Mm -hmm. Um, But that certainly isn't the full story, right? No. Uh, yeah, you said uh, you named the 13th Amendment abolished slavery and involuntary servitude. I almost jumped in and said asterisk yeah. um, because there's a big one. Um, but yeah, so I think that's I'll, I'll get to that in a second, I guess. But that's the period of expansion, right, Like yeah. that I was talking about. So this theme comes up again. And so that was then followed up with black codes mm-hmm. and different nefarious plans concocted by states to deny black people the right to vote. Um, using some of the loopholes that were present in those amendments. Right. Um, and so I think it was Carol Anderson who said in the documentary, uh, if you can't say you don't want black people to vote, then how do you stop black people from voting? Yeah. Uh, and so that's that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so they talked. she talked about the Mississippi Plan of 1890, um, which uh, was a constitutional convention for the state, I believe. Um, and that basically stripped away the rights of black people um, to vote and own firearms and, and a number of things that created like, again, the second class citizenship status um, ratified in the Mississippi constitution, um, which, you know, they only just recently removed the Confederate flag from their emblem from their flag. Right. How about it? Um, feels entrenched there, uh, in terms of, in terms of that. Um, so, you know, these white people found ways to reify white supremacy post-abolition of slavery uh, and enslavement, but they used that loophole in the 13th Amendment that allowed involuntary servitude um, 
in response to somebody being found guilty of committing a crime right um of some kind and so that connects back to the black codes and so they found ways to criminalize black people right and so um it was a way to recreate the system of enslavement and white supremacy but make it look different or make it sound different or put up a like under new management sign up front all right um and yeah so one of the examples that stuck out to me that i think carol anderson said is like you know you could be arrested for loitering Mm mm-hmm um, and by loitering, I just mean I was waiting outside of a store because my wife was shopping inside the store. And so I was considered loitering and got arrested and yeah. uh, and then incarcerated and then had my right to vote stripped. Yep. Um, and then one of the other pieces of the. What, 15th Amendment, right, is this we can't um, prevent or, or we can't deny the right to vote based on race, color, or previous condition of servitude, mm-hmm. right? But also imprisonment, incarceration is a condition of servitude. So I'm also thinking about that now as we talk about the the rights of returning citizens yes. from uh, incarceration to have the right to vote. And we'd spend some time talking about that in the documentary and, the, and Florida and the amendment that they passed, I think, in 2018, maybe 2016. Um few years ago about that um and what that means and so yeah like these these pieces are all sort of coming together as a puzzle for me yeah Uh, and so i wanted to sort of talk about that as well um but you know what i'm saying isn't really new either right like the documentary 13th covered a lot of this and explained it in depth and in more detail and with more expertise than i have (laughs) absolutely yeah i mean the yeah the documentary 13th is 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 a great watch Mm -hmm. um and you know, I, I think a, a must-watch film for everyone. And so I'm glad you you mentioned that and gave it some credit there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm with you. I think I think it's critically. I think the point you're getting to here is that it's it's critically important to understand the history here in terms of this conversation about voter suppression and how mm-hmm. it has happened throughout this country's history, right? And the I, it was fascinating to to watch this documentary and and to learn sort of in depth about the black codes and the mississippi plan and and i think those are things that lots of folks aren't taught aren't often taught in school right um but they had such an enduring effect on generations of african-americans in this country and and the disenfranchisement of african-americans uh right you know and Mm -hmm. and so all of that was wild to hear about in this documentary and sort of, you know, re- reteach myself about it and, and learn more about, you know, um, you know, you mentioned this, like the black codes really just criminalized normal everyday behavior. Um, yeah. And the Mississippi plan, you know, did things like enact poll taxes and, and literary literacy tests and and other voter suppression tactics that specifically targeted black folks in the state. And so, you know, I think all of that was just terrible. And we see the roots of those things still embedded in many of the arguments against the Voting Rights Act and in the voter suppression tactics and and laws we see today. Yeah, absolutely. And you said literacy tests, and that reminded me of one of this one of the moments in the documentary. There's a law professor. Oh, yeah. um, Who said he brings one of the literacy tests um to his law students yeah um, second and third year second and third year law students and none of them pass it none of them um 
because they were re- they they weren't really tests. They they were tricks, right? Yep. Like so, if you remember those trick questions that your <laughs> teachers in <laughs> in elementary school used to ask you on quizzes, it, it was just a test full of trick questions. Yeah, um, and mm. so. Um, even students who are studying law couldn't pass that and, right. and find their way through those trick questions. So that's, that's, um, you know, literacy test is also a misnomer in yes. a lot of ways too. Right. Um, all right. So you mentioned voting rights act. Let's, let's start talking about that. I think this is another part of that expansion of the franchise that pushes and expands the vote to more people. Um, and then it also names states that have a consistent history of denying the vote the right to vote to black people and create some checks and balances for how they manage their elections. Right. And I think that's huge. Yeah. Right. Like it, and it led to a lot of expansion of the, the, the franchise to people. Well, and um, I should say, I want to yeah. say the, um, the documentary also does a really good job of talking about sort of states like Arizona that also denied this mm-hmm. for Latinx mm-hmm. folks. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's a piece that I think a lot of people don't know too about this country's history and some, that's real sort of state history stuff, like the, yep. the conversations around Arizona specifically. So, you know, I, I sort of also wanted to highlight that cause it isn't just so much of our country's history is focused on, you know, uh, the history of black folks in this country and what, how this country has, you know, really done a disservice, uh, to, black folks in this country but that's another piece of this too yeah absolutely and the um in the documentary they talk about how the 15th amendment was actually never ratified by california or oh, oregon right because they thought that that would mean that chinese people would be able to vote and yes. they didn't want that to happen either so there's like these elements of different ways of trying to exclude and oppress people based on their race and color um throughout the history of of the country as well so that yeah that's a great point yeah um yeah and so you know i think that that's a great point. And the Voting Rights Act was also huge, right? So right. Carol Anderson points out, um, I feel like I'm quoting her a lot here. Oh, um, she's fantastic. Her work. Yeah, she's yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, how many more black people were registered to vote following the passage of this law? And it's something like 60% of black men were registered to vote in Mississippi um, following the passage. And then uh, that was up from something like 3% following World War II, mm. which it was at 3% because like there were legitimate practices of suppression through violence yep. um, outside of the, the other ways that they suppress the vote through poll taxes and, and uh, literacy tests and, and other pieces. Um, right. So she tells a story of a, of a veteran who gets assassinated because mm-hmm. he voted uh, as the only black person to vote in his County after world war two. Um, yeah. So all of these things were converging and creating that sort of voter registration rate of 3%. Um, and so this expansion happens and states begin to find ways to f- fight it. Right. And so they try to try to retract again yeah. um, and they sue the federal government over it. And it happens again and again and again, each time it's passed because it's ratified in sort of renewed yep. uh, in different ways over the course of the, of the, um, of, of history. And so it's, it's also something that they note that like the, the renewals were signed by Republican presidents and yep. Reagan signed one. And then uh, George W. Bush signed one. Um, and they were sort of thrilled to sign them. And now right. it seems like the party's platform is to not uh, expand the franchise to people. Um, so, some time passes after those renewals yep. and then president Obama is elected uh, and they use his election, the conservative movement um, to restrict voter 
rights uses his election as an argument that racism is over. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. Congratulations. It's yeah. over. Um, so that's, you know, ludicrous. Um, and this argument won <laughs> in the Supreme Court. Um, the Voting Rights Act was gutted by the Supreme Court and uh, states with a history of voter disenfranchisement were able to make decisions about voting procedures without consulting the Department of Justice, which they had to do previously. And then after that, voter ID law started to pass across the country. Yes. There's voter ID laws now. They showed a map in the documentary, like in all all over the place. Um, and, you know, in most places you have to pay to get an ID. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's a it's a it's a fancy poll tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds reasonable, which is one of the things that that I think, again, Carol Anderson says is like they find things that make sound that make make things sound reasonable mm-hmm. um, as like security measures. Um, you can take a step back and look at it. And you're like, well, one of the other things they mentioned is that only 10 percent. No, 10 percent of the voting population don't have a government ID that's covered in most of these right um, things. And so in most of these these uh, voter ID laws. Um, so, you know, they and they start the right starts couching these new laws as election security to prevent fraud um, as if that's something that's widespread and they have evidence of and, and they don't. And so nope. it's um, just more ways of finding finding ways and spaces to contract um, the right to vote from people. Yeah. I don't have my notes in front of me from the, from the documentary, but one of the examples is North Dakota, right? And it's, you know, the Native American population there and many of them don't have uh, government issued IDs or IDs that would work with this voter ID law in North Dakota uh, because many of them are, have PO boxes or, and they don't have land that has a physical address because the government has to issue them a physical the state government has to issue them a physical address. And so if I if the government state government just doesn't issue you a physical address and then requires you to have a physical address what like right are you in your cars listening to this folks like you what, hear that, right? <laughs> yeah. What else is that other than intentional like stripping of the right to vote from people um you know who should have the right to vote. Exactly. Yeah. Um also, because yeah. this is this is also stolen land, and so we're taking away, you know, it's like we st- stole the land, built up a government on it, said you have to participate in this, and then said, no, just kidding. Yeah. We're not going to let you. Right. So, yeah. All, all of this is just wild, right? And it's incredible to me that so many people in this country, particularly our leaders and elected officials and judges all the way to the Supreme Court, as you just mentioned, yeah. you know, are actively fighting the Voting Rights Act uh, and are implementing policies and laws that, you know, disenfranchise American citizens. I, yeah, it's it's wild to me. And mm-hmm. it's so disheartening. Um you know, I think Stacey Abrams said so many incredible things in this documentary. Um, But one of the best things she said, and I'm going to paraphrase her here, you know, she said, the United States is the only nation that makes it difficult for communities to own their power by requiring them to jump through hoops to participate in basic elections. It's pernicious because it it convinces you that maybe it's not worth trying again. And when entire communities become convinced that the process is not for them, we lose them. And that's dangerous. And 
and that's some real truth there, right? You know, it's yeah. it's easy to see, especially when you learn about all of the the voter suppression tactics and laws that are spelled out in this documentary, and they, you know, sh- share specific examples, you know, s- state by state, as we just mentioned, North Dakota being one. Um, and you also watch parts of this documentary and actually see footage of people on election day ready to vote. And they are denied that right, you know, yep. because of these laws. And a, and a prime example of that is that we watch Stacy's own experience when she's trying to vote for herself for governor, right? You know, mm-hmm. she was told that, you know, she showed up for early voting and she was told she couldn't vote uh, there at early voting because she had apparently requested an absentee ballot, which wasn't the case at all, right? Like she, she flat out said, I voted here since 1990 something, right? I've never requested an absentee ballot. And, you know... I think she makes the great point that while she was able to talk to that person and the site supervisor and figure it out and, you know, she had a news crew, different news crews following her and recording her experience uh, that day, as most politicians do on Election Day or when they go to vote, you know, how many folks just accept that, like get all the way to the front of the line and, and hear that and just accept that response, you know, and, yep. and then leave. Yeah, I think that that's um, that's something that they they talk about in the in the documentary is like all of the ways that um, Brian Kemp, who's now governor and uh. was secretary of state and in charge of the election there, um, sort of uh, found ways to limit the number of people who voted, um, and so they com- combined uh, precincts and then only gave them like a certain number of machines mm-hmm. and then so many machines broke down on election day. Like yep. there, there were stories throughout the the documentary about people who stood in line to vote for hours and hours. And they were like, I was here first thing yep. in the morning before it opened just so I could do this and then go to work or, or whatever it was. And it was, you know, almost noon and they're still there waiting to get inside to vote because there weren't properly functioning voting machines. Yep. And then they also said that some of the people who are, like supervisors that like Stacey Abrams had spoken to weren't trained properly on right. how to manage some of these things and, and um, manage like uh, provisional ballots and, mm-hmm. and sort of the different functions of like something isn't quite right here. Let's get you like fearing, you know, let's take care of it in this way. Like they just didn't do any of that training for people. And so the system wasn't set up to accept the number of votes that they needed to have, like the the number of people who are voting, right, right, yeah, um, or to turn them away in some way because, you know, the the paperwork says you requested an absentee ballot. It's like, well, I did, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. right, yeah. This is the nicest way to put this, I, 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 and I didn't need this documentary to 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 tell me this, but uh, Brian Kemp is a real piece of tea, right? <laughs> yes, he's absolutely, um, yeah, real, real, real piece of trash. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all of that is just wild, right? Um, and I really, um, I, you know, thinking back um, to the kind of the Constitution and some of that earlier history, mm, yeah. I really appreciate how they lay out early on. Um, and I think this connects to what you were saying, Stacey Abrams said, um, about how the country sort of convinces you that maybe it's not worth it um, to vote, is um, that there's no right to vote guaranteed in the Constitution anywhere. Yeah, um, because the framers of the Constitution limited who was considered the people and we the people, um, which is a, you know part of the documentary. And so, including the right to vote as an actual right was a non-starter because 
because it was because right. it was limited mm-hmm. um, by a lot. Um, and so, yeah. So also jumping back a little bit to the VRA for a second, um, there's this history that the documentary explores um, about William Rehnquist, 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 uh, and John Roberts. And so Rehnquist was a GOP leader in something called Operation Eagle Eye, um, which was in Arizona. Um, and it was an attempt to limit and challenge Latino voters uh, in Arizona, in Maricopa County back in the 60s. Yeah. Um, and so somehow he made his way from that to the Supreme Court. Mm. Um, and then he also mentored John Roberts, who is now the current chief justice, and took over the chief justice seat from Rehnquist. Um, and so it's no wonder why John Roberts was opposed to the VRA and voted to gut it. Yeah. In 2013, when when that was gutted, um, he was mentored by somebody who actively tried to suppress the vote in the 60s. And yeah. so there's this long history of that mentorship and and that, um, I guess, leadership in trying to like limit the right to vote. Um, so they, they also show some of the arguments in the, the Supreme Court and something stuck out to me. Again, as a legal layperson, okay. I think uh, is how I would describe myself. Uh, I, I don't have any real legal training other than maybe one class in higher education law. That okay. Is super limited. Um, <laughs> but Roberts is asking um, the Department of Justice attorney um, if there are any examples of egregious voting rights issues in the states outside of the nine who were named in the Voting Rights Act. Uh, and you know, the defense said, yes, yeah, there are, um, egregious issues that happen in other States. Um, and then somehow that was an argument to gut the act. It was like, well, it happens in other places. Right. Um, so there's issues everywhere. So we don't need to focus on these nine States. So we'll focus on zero States and stuff. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, so it's amazing. It's like, well, are there errors everywhere? Yes. All right. Then we'll do nothing. Yeah. Instead of doing something. Um, so, yeah. 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 yeah, I think you are well on your way to possibly being a lawyer in your next life. Next life. Probably next. not this one. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I agree. I think I think when we learn about what we learned about in this documentary about Rehnquist and Roberts, uh, I think that speaks to how all of this hatred and oppression and so many of the isms we talk about on this podcast and, and, you know, in this fight, um, is rooted not only just in our country's history, but also in real people. Right. And, and in this case, and in so many cases in people in positions of immense power, uh, and that affect the lives of so many of us. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's this tweet floating around on the internet right now, speaking about lives of so many of us, and it, the census is happening, mm. um, or you know, it's not happening. The yeah. data is coming out right. about it, um, and so I don't have a I don't have a great uh, transition here, <laughs> and I wanted because I, I wanted to mention this on the podcast somewhere because it feels so closely connected. But um, you know, there's this tweet floating around about how we count people in prisons for the census, so the populations in which the the prisons are located. Um, you know, the towns have a, a, a boost in population based on the people who are imprisoned there and incarcerated there. Um, but then those people don't have access to the vote. Right. Right. Or the the uh, resources that come to um, those towns as a result of their uh, incarceration there. Um, 
And so, you know, the tweet says, it sounds like a new version of the three-fifths compromise in a lot of ways. Ooh, and so, yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd throw that out there, too, as we talk about what voting looks like and also the census data coming out and, and connecting it to prison abolition again, as we talk yeah. about on the podcast. So, yeah, Absolutely. That's, that's everywhere. Um, all right. So let's talk about application. I think, you know, all of this applies to voters. Yes. I think. Um in the U.S. And so I know you want to talk about some laws that are being considered uh, in different states and, and being passed in states across the country. So I'll save that that for you um, to talk about because you have a lot of great things to say about it. Um, but I'll say that I think we have to pay attention to how our access to the ballot is being restricted. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't know that I have specific examples here, but, you know, I I talked about how I was really fascinated and and obviously incredibly disappointed by what this documentary showed us in terms of the various voter suppression tactics and laws that are being used in so many states across the country. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know when I sort of got done with the the, the documentary it, it sort of I had to sit with all of my thoughts <laughs> and um and it just made me think about how what we learned must have only been the tip of the iceberg, right? Like the documentary is only an hour and a half, right? So it, it, they couldn't tell us everything. So there, I'm sure there had to be more, right? And so uh, I did a little bit of research and I found the Brennan Center for Justice and their website that is currently tracking voting bills in all 50 states. And what's really cool about their work in this website is that they are tracking legislation that seeks to restrict voting rights and bills that seek to expand voter rights in each nice. state. So that's a, a pretty cool feature of this uh, resource, if you will, um, to check out. And you know, I, I would say that a scary piece of data that they share on their site is that as of March 24th, I think, legislators have introduced 361 bills with restrictive provisions in 47 states. And that's 108 more than the 253 restrictive bills that were in play as of February 19th, uh, which is, if you can quickly do the math there, I'll do it for you. They did it for me. It's a 43% increase in just over a month's time, right? So 43% increase in the span of a month. And so this effort to restrict people's voting rights is real and it is scary and it is a growing mounting effort in this country and so i think that should give us all pause um and you know i I wanted to bring this resource to the table and and share it and so i encourage folks to to check this website out and especially to look at what's happening in your state right Mm -hmm. and so again it's the brennan center for justice and their platform is called the state voting I'm sorry, the state voting bills tracker uh, of 2021. Yes. Um, Yeah, that's all great information to know. And I'll say that as I was watching the documentary, um, I got a notification on my phone um, that Florida had just passed. uh, Speaking of Florida, back back again, um, had just passed a uh, voting voting restrictions act um, to limit mail-in mail-in voting and and the um, kind of ballot drop boxes that we we had sort of added this year um, at least that I'm I voted by yeah a ballot drop box um, that was around the corner from us um, and so they they limited the number of those that would be available and they wanted to have people um, they wanted to increase like sort of voter ID processes and stuff in that so that's on the way to 
DeSantis's desk uh, as well. Wow. So, right, like this is definitely happening yeah. live uh, across the country in different ways. Well, so um, Brennan Center for Justice, if you're listening, you've got some work to do to update your site. Yeah. Wow. I'm sure it's already updated. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, all of that is is important information to know and understand how we individually are going to be impacted. Um, one of the examples that they gave in the documentary that I wanted to, I guess, highlight here is the differences in which I, which IDs are actually accepted at the polls. Right. Mm. Um, so they said that a gun license issued in a state, uh, I forget which state they were actually talking about, um, a gun license counts as an ID, but a different kind of state issued ID, like a university ID, university student ID does not count. Right. right? And those are both state issued yep. if you're at a state institution. Um, so, you know, read up on your own voting restrictions and regulations in your state and make sure you have a plan um, to vote. And, you know, voting isn't going to give us everything we need for social justice and collective liberation. Um, but it, it's definitely one of the pieces on the way there. It's a big um, piece. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about homework. And I'm actually just going to kick it over to you to get started because I can see some of your notes. Okay. Uh, and I think that what you have to say should come first. Oh, how nice of you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Well, all right. So for me, I think a piece of homework that I'd offer up is something that I actually just want to amplify from the documentary. Um, it was presented at the end of the film by Stacey Abrams when she and her comrades and, and all of the folks featured throughout the documentary were offering tips and strategies for how to combat voter suppression in our country. And so, you know, we've had a rich conversation here about all of this and and uh, I think are both sort of... Uh, very angry <laughs> about mm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm glad that the documentary ended in this way to sort of give us some suggestions here. And I think Stacy offered uh, that one of the most important ways to combat voter suppression was to volunteer to help folks get registered to vote. And I think if it's good enough for Stacy, then it's good enough for me and, and maybe you too. So uh, my homework for myself, and I invite others to join me in this as well, is to do just that. You know, there are organizations that are engaged in this work in almost every state. And so folks can certainly do their own research here. But, you know, I wanted to to mention a few of the, the larger organizations out there. Um, the first is Fair Fight, uh, which is the organization that Stacey Abrams founded. And so since this documentary is about her, I wanted to highlight it. Um, Fair Fight works to promote fair elections, as their name says, uh, encourage voter participation uh, and educate voters about elections and their voting rights, uh, both in Georgia, but also across the country. And so that's one. A second organization is When We All Vote, which is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that works to increase participation in elections across the board. And, and When We All Vote might sound familiar to folks because a lot of famous people are involved in it, like Michelle Obama and Tom Hanks and Lin-Manuel Miranda and, and others. Um, and so that's one to check out. And the last organization I want to highlight is Rock the Vote, which has been around since we were kids. Uh, I remember being a kid and watching them on MTV. Uh, and, you know, but they are still out here doing the work uh, as a nonpartisan nonprofit, um, doing this work really to engage young folks, uh, yeah. which is so critically important. And the documentary even speaks to that as well. And so all of these organizations and, and similar organizations out there at the local and, and national levels, you know, have many ways to get involved, to volunteer uh, and to donate. And so, you know, I wanted to offer Stacy's suggestion as potential homework for anyone interested in that as a potential way to vote, uh, to fight voter suppression in this country. 
Yes. Yeah. All that's really great. Um, and in addition to that homework, I would add, um, do a little research and pay attention to what's happening in your state, as we already said about voting laws. Yes. Um, but also reach out to your representatives to let them know that you're for the expansion of voter access and not restrictions to the ballot. Um, and so one of the things that I know is happening is the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act uh, as we, was introduced by, I believe, by Maryland Senator Ben Cardin, but it's definitely being sort of tossed around as, as a potential um, law to to pass in reaction to the Supreme Court's decision to gut the VRA back in 2013. Um, and, you know, obviously named for John Lewis. Yeah. Um, who is featured in the documentary. He is. He's featured. Uh, they, they show him crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, Damien, you're up next week. What are you bringing to the table in our next episode? Absolutely. All right. So next week, y'all, I'm bringing an article from Harper's Bazaar called The Diversity and Inclusion Industry Has Lost Its Way. Uh, which was uh, actually published uh, just last month in March. And I'm going to be fully transparent and share that I haven't read the entire piece yet. But it does seem like from what I've read so far, it seems to be a a fascinating article and certainly relevant to our conversations here. Um, But from what I've gathered so far, in a nutshell, I think the article really talks about the diversity, equity, and inclusion industry, and DEI is uh, sort of how it's referred to, uh, talks about that industry as a whole and asks a couple of key questions, which are, why does DEI so often inhibit the real change for which many are calling? Mm. And what would it mean to radically reimagine DEI, which are big questions, right? Yes. Uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this article, and I'm sure there may be some other resources that we bring to the table as well. Um, and for us to sort of have a conversation about it and think about the ways in which this article applies to the work we do um, and to the work we talk about and we do here on our podcast. Well, that sounds like it's going to get controversial. Um, So looking forward to that one, absolutely. If I know us, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, All right. So we want to thank you for joining us and listening to Interdependent Study. Uh, And you know what I'm going to ask you to do. But in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and a review, share a podcast with your family, friends, enemies, whoever. Uh, And of course, give us a little follow on social media. Yes, we'd appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Interdependent Study. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next week.